back to the Sandcast. I'm gonna welcome myself back. Yeah, welcome to the back United to you. States. <laughs> uh, we are back. Uh, everyone's home right now. There's no tournaments going on, so we figured we sit down and give you a nice little fan Q and A. We've got a lot of good questions from our fans. Uh, we have a lot of good updates from what happened out on the road in the Cancun hub, and of course, we're stoked to be brought to you by Wilson. The best volleyball in the world. Number one, for sure. It really is. But, uh, dude, welcome home. Thanks, brother. It's been a while. Yeah, man. <laughs> I know. It's good to be back. It was uh, 23 days in the bubble. It was a long stay out there for you. Yeah. Were you out there longer, like the longest of anyone? Um, Were there any teams already there surprised. when you got there? Were you guys like there number one? There was like, I want to say like eight athletes on site <laughs> when we got there. <laughs> Pedlo, of course. Yeah. Just fiending. Well, dude... Uh, like you guys think that you were gone for a long time, but Sam and Sam cannot return to Canada. None of the Canadians can. They cannot go back until the Olympics right. are over. Um, so oh, Heather crazy. Bansley and Brandy Wilkerson are, are just living in Brazil. Um, they've been there since like November. Uh-huh. And so they're, that's just their new home until after the Olympics. Um, so Sam and Sam, I don't know what other Canadian teams are there. The McNamara's. They went back McCl- to Florida, right? Sam and Sam. Yeah, they're in Florida right now with uh, the O'Days. I believe, and uh, I think a German team. Yeah, that's right. O'Days played pretty some pretty pretty good volleyball. I was really excited to see them out yeah. there. Those are the New Zealand boys, and I got to play on the New Zealand tour and hang out with them and um, spend some quality time with them a few years back. And they're really good players. I've always been like, yeah. when the hell are these guys going to be out? on the world tour um they don't have funding and you know so yeah. it's tough for them but they played some good ball made one main draw and i want to say and they almost beat uh and they were close in a lot of their playing i want to say 15 too. 13 with alison or something yeah. like that right yeah. yeah like and sam so i played them in the semifinals of the cook islands one mm-hmm. star mm-hmm. um and that was the first time i'd seen sam um, he's freaking good. He's really good. But I was talking to Jason Lockhead about him. Yep. And Jason was just like, they could be the best volleyball players New Zealand's ever seen oh, if sure. they just like wanted to go for it. He's like, yeah. I want them to so bad, but they're just not doing it. Yeah. It's hard though because like New Zealand's close to nothing. Yep. Like their tri- trip can't be cheap traveling anywhere. Oh, for sure. That's <laughs> probably Zealand. the worst place to live. Yeah. And, and travel on the world tour. They they'd have to come be based out of Cali or something, which is going to cost you money. Yeah. Um, and they're not getting nearly or any of the funding that teams like we are in the, yeah. In the U.S. Um, but, yeah, cool team, cool guys, and um, good team to watch out for. Yeah. Overall, like, the teams that were coming out of the qualifier, it was kind of crazy because, like, you and Trevor, mm-hmm. how was it being back in a qualifier? Stress. It's, it's probably been a while. It's humbling. Yeah. <laughs> I like it. I mean, I... Now that I'm out of it, I'm like, okay, that was good for me. You yeah. Because there's nothing more stressful than that. Or country no. quota on top of that. Yeah. Like you're, there's so many thoughts and feelings that you're fighting. Like, first of all, why the hell do we have to play in a country quota? <laughs> right. Um, we, we've talked about that way too many times. <laughs> so we won't go there. But, um, and then, you know, you're playing your fellow countrymen. So there's tension yeah. there. One of us isn't going to be playing tomorrow. And then there's the qualifier and... I mean, we we drew. First of all, we went to three <laughs> with Israel, and they were up. I want to say like seven three. Seven. Dude, I was three watching that third. at uh, I was at Adam's house in, in Myrtle, and we were watching. And you guys like took care of them in the first set. It's funny because I actually played them 
that was my first round draw in the qualifier in China. Yeah, they're solid. And so I knew that the defender is a good player. Mm-hmm. Um, and we had got our points in the blocker. But I was like, you know, like, you shouldn't sleep on these guys. Like, they're no. pretty good. And then you guys were down 7-3. And I was like, Adam? <laughs> I was like, that took some mental strength. Where I was yeah. like, try. <laughs> time, it's go time. Yeah. Time to dial in. And I think I got some blocks. Um towards the end there or something but yeah that was scary i mean shit to be in that situation single elimination like at that level anyone can win one match i could have ended this not ended but pretty much ended this olympic like race right here yeah a a lot of things could have ended this been a dagger race (laughs) so to be in the bubble and playing all these matches where literally everything is on the line and every by everything i mean the ultimate goal making the olympic team yeah um it was intense. Yeah. And I know you, I mean, you and Evie talked about the vibe in Cancun. Mm-hmm. Um, but just like, how was it for you personally? Just like 23 days where pretty much every match you're just like Olympic chances, but hinging on everything. Yeah. Um, I thought it was pretty good. It, you also got to keep in mind, it was our first tournament. Yeah. In months and months and yeah. months. And, um, you know, usually it takes a while to like ease into season and you get better with play and we yeah. didn't really have time to do that. Um, so it was a lot of just like trust, you know, like we're prepared, we're where we need to be, the work is done, the work is put in, don't try to be better than you are right now. Yeah. Just, just trust the work you've put in. Um, so there's a lot of like reminding yourself of that um, and not trying to over press, you know. Yeah. Um, and, um, I mean, it was, it was, uh, stressful for sure, but I think we handled it well. Um, the, we were in it for the long run. Like we had talked about it yeah. beforehand. Hey, this is going to be a grind. Yeah. At week two and a half, we're going to want to go home. Right. Other teams are going to be like walking around kind of pouty. Like, let's not be them. Let's mm-hmm. be aware of it when those feelings come up, when, Let's acknowledge it and be like, okay, we expected this. Yeah. Hell no. We're in this for the long run. And I think we did a good job of that. Yeah. Definitely at the end, you're like, I get to leave tomorrow. Yeah. If I lose, I'm like, you know, I'm done. Yeah. You know, those thoughts come in your head and it's like complete BS. But yeah, um, it's good to just acknowledge them. And we were prepared. We were talking with our sports psych and, yeah. you know, all that. Yeah. If you guys hear some beeping and whatnot, Tri's getting his, uh, his shark blood in. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I'm getting an infusion right now. Um, but with with the Olympics being so close, like it's, it felt like as a viewer like, that it was being like the race was being boiled down to like three events, which like as a viewer was awesome because you look at like huge moves were made by some teams like Adrian huge. and Enrico went from virtually out of the race to now they're not only just in the last spot, they're ahead of um, Smolovs and Smedens. So now Samuelas and Smedens are on the chopping block. Dude, they balled out so hard. Yeah. And then you got teams like the Grimalt, who just melted. And now they're, like, close to not making it after mm-hmm. they started the Olympic run by winning, like, three events in a row. Right. <laughs> it's crazy. No, for sure. It's, it's intense. A, a lot of teams showed their colors there. Yeah. Um, and it's a gritty event. And I guess kind of luck of the draw in terms of um, playing to certain teams' strengths. Because, you know, yeah. like... 
win ball is going to work for some teams. Yeah. Playing three events in a row is going to work for some teams. It's going to be those more gritty teams. Like, there are certain teams that just don't like playing three in a row. Their bodies right. uh, work better. With and just, like, mentally. Mentally, <laughs> right. Can you handle you're, it? You're tougher mentally. Um, your body breaks down over three weeks in a row. Um, that kind of thing. And to have three of, like, the biggest events all in one place in the same conditions was... It was a bit of a luck of the draw there. Yeah. Um, and obviously, Adrian is the best guy in the wind. Cause yeah. He's got that sky ball and can cuff the crap out of the ball and make it Insane. do crazy things. Yeah. Um, Qatar, though. What's yeah. Qatar. Dude, crazy. That was their coming out party. Yeah. And we have a, a like half of our fan questions are, are like about uh, Sharif Samba and Ahmed. Tijan, who mm-hmm. made finals, finals, lost to Anders and Christian both times in close matches, and then they made another final and beat Konstantin uh, Semenov and Ilya Lashukov. Only the, only the top, like since I've been on tour, let's just say eight, nine years now, only the great teams, like Hall of Fame teams, do that. Three in a row. Like that takes a lot. Obviously, it's one bubble, and it kind of feels like one event, one long event. Right. But... Nevertheless, like that was extremely impressive, and they were already on the scene, like very well respected. Everyone knew how great, good they were, but to do that consistently um, and make the final every time, and they definitely—it was a coming out party in terms of like these guys might be a top three team in the world. Obviously, yeah. they were this past week, but you nobody would have ranked them there going into this, right? Because I mean, maybe like eighth ish range. Yeah. And like one, I feel like they're one of those teams that you look at, like, well, this team could beat anyone. Right, exactly. But they had never made a final until the Doha One Star this February. Oh, wow, really? As a team, yeah. Oh, that's crazy. And then, so they make that final and win. And then uh, they go back to back to back in Cancun and win one. And in the Doha Four Star, their only loss was to Perusik and Schweiner, like 1917 in the third. And so, like, they're hot. Yep. And uh, I mean, I think it's a difference between what they can do for one tournament and now they're consistently doing it. So right. now, like, you have to put them as, like, a medal contender for the Olympics at for this point. For sure, and they've sealed their spot up. So, yeah. Yeah. I mean, now it's just who's going to peak during the Olympics. Right. In terms of those teams who are not really, there's no pressure on these next few events. Yeah. But it's, I feel like it's all about, like, who's trending in the right direction. Totally. Because that's the thing with a two-year qualification process is that your finishes in 2019 in terms of how well you're going to perform in the 2021 Olympics, it's almost irrelevant. Dude, it's like how you're playing now. Yeah. The first event was the one me and Trevor on goal. We're still the China three-star. Probably using that finish right <laughs> yeah. now. And that was like my first FIVB in 2018. Yeah. Like, that has nothing, not much to do with yeah. how, how we're playing now, you know? Yeah. Obviously, it all adds up, but... That was a long time. Yeah, because you look at, and on the women's side, I think the race, so the women's side is basically all sealed up internationally, except for um, our American race is the last one that can change oh, really? anything. So it's basically... The backside of the women is pretty much sealed pretty up? Pretty much nothing. Wow. Yeah, because uh, Joyce Stubb and Marlene Van Ersel, mm-hmm. the Netherlands team, they were in, but Joyce pregnant oh. and like due during Tokyo. No. So they're out. Whoops. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and so, oh. and so the gap between the last team in the rankings and the next who can catch them is like a thousand points. Oh yeah, good. Which luck. with two left is pretty steep, and I think that that's even 
kind of wrong because that's a German team that would be the third German team. Mm. So they have to actually pass Laura Ludwig and uh, her partner. Oh, wow. So it's that race is pretty much over. So right. now you have, it's basically the last spot is basically Clay Sponsel, can they catch Carrie, Carrie and Brooke? Mm-hmm. And Emily Stockman and Kelly Kowinski, if they get like two medals, mm-hmm. I think they have an outside crack at it. Right. Um, but Clay's and Sponsel are trending in the right direction. Like yeah. they're knocking on the door. Yep. Came out country quota, which they're undefeated in country quotas, oh, which is so insane. Then they, they lost in a qualifier though, they, right? They drew... Brazil. Dude, it's so BS that they were even in that. <laughs> Crazy. The fact that everyone was playing and they're sitting there on the side yeah. with their ranking and the spot they've earned was such BS. Yeah. But, so yeah. so they but they came out country quota qualifier and went fifth fifth. Mm-hmm. And they needed a, a medal, basically, or a, I think a fourth would have pa- they would have passed Carrie and Brooke, but they lost in oh. three to Mel and Pavin. Oh. And they lost to San Kaiser and Madeline Mepelink um, and the other one. And so they just need a fourth. And, um, but they had a victory in itself because in Cancun they had enough entry points. So now they're out of the country quota. Carrie and Brooke are back in it for Sochi and Ostrava, uh-huh. which is huge with two events left. Now you're just straight in the main draw. You win both your pool play matches and two more and you're in the Olympics. It's gnarly. And <laughs> Carrie had a, Carrie had some gnarly matches. Yeah. Um, they played before us on stadium. The one against Anna Patricia and yeah. Rebecca. It was like a long one. Yeah, we were just waiting there. Like, oh my god, this is brutal. <laughs> yeah. But it was intense and like. Yeah. Carrie was siding out. Brooke had like a one arm stabby yeah. direct deposit into the other <laughs> corner. And those other girls are just beast yeah and they ended up pulling it out those were some big points oh yeah big time they easily could have lost that yeah so it's uh as a fan like i watched so much volleyball these past three weeks it was awesome yeah and it was crazy because i was talking to my editors at the fivb and i was like there's no sense in doing stories updating the olympic race because it's nonstop volleyball so as soon as we update it one win and now that story is irrelevant so we just waited so I did a master spreadsheet yesterday to right. see like who's still in it. And so the guys, obviously the American spot, Phil and Nick tied Jake and Taylor. Yeah. You guys are 440 points back mm-hmm. um, with two events to go, yep. which is attainable if yeah. you guys perform in Sochi and Ostrava. And we're all dropping 400s, I believe. Yeah. So, so if we tie, no one's going to be jumping ahead like they were right. in all of Cancun. Yeah, Phil so Nick. Phil and Nick are finally out of their 25th and Jeez. 17th to yeah, drop. Yeah, exactly. So you guys need better than 9th to gain points. Um, if we get a 9th, we don't gain. Right. Right, okay. So you need a quarterfinal is, would get you 80, 4th mm-hmm. would get you 160, mm-hmm. and then a 3rd and better will give you the, kind of the, the bigger jumps you need. Right. Um, and then... Internationally speaking, like the last spot is between like Smolovs and Smedens, Adrian and Enrico, and then Piotr Cantor and Bartos Losiak. They can only benefit with a fifth or better. Um, Pedlo and Schachter need a better than ninth mm. to jump. But then the team that I'm really interested in watching is uh, the Germans, Ellers and Flugen, because they have like an 160 point finish counting towards their total, and they have 5,700 total because they're, like, really top-heavy. 
Right. Because they got second at the Tokyo Four Star and fifth in like two majors, I think. And so their points are really... So they have like shitty finishes at the bottom that right. they're dropping. So they can gain points faster than anyone. Mm-hmm. So if they have like one big finish, then they could them, hop in. We gave them a five-star forfeit. <laughs> oh, true. We gave them a ninth for free. <laughs> <laughs> so... They thank you for that one. Yeah, you're welcome, guys. I could use those points back. Right now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So that's our current uh, Olympic standings update. Um, but while we're on the topic of Qatar, uh, we do have a couple fan questions. Um, we'll do from Joe Meserve. What has Qatar been doing, and what has them playing so well right now? Um, so, like, did you see anything from them, like up close, that they're doing exceptionally better? than what they were doing before? No, you know, I didn't watch that much before, to be honest. Yeah. Um, and, I, and I just watched here and there. I watched the finals. Um, they're really athletic, and they're just scrappy. Yeah. So, like, the wind did help. It is usually windy in Doha, and I think they're just used to that. Like, yeah. they just automatically were like, perfect, wind ball. We're totally comfortable. Um, but they're just scrappy. And I think they were really comfortable and confident. And that's yeah. kind of what it came down. Because they've been athletic. That was one thing. was like, they're deceivingly, like, extremely athletic. Yeah. You know they're athletic, but, like, when you play them, you're like, whoa. Like, he got a little higher than I thought. Yeah. And then his arm's even longer than I thought. And I didn't think he could get that ball. You know, they're chasing balls down. They just seemed like they were in a really good rhythm with each other. Yeah. And... Um, being really scrappy and they're really athletic and then the confidence was like through the roof out there because I think they just felt good in the wind yeah and that's what after they had made two finals um, I was in Myrtle and uh, Marty Lorenz was actually there (laughs) so I spent like two weeks hanging out with him and he was like do you think that they can do it again and the way I look at it is that I think that like success begets more success in that you have the confidence and you're like, all right, well, everything's working and you go up. And I think it makes such a difference when you are sitting inside out and you're like, well, we just made two finals. Like, I'm going to side this next ball out too. Right. And so like, I think for sure that they'll at least make the quarters again. And you're staying in the same venue. You're not like traveling. Right. And, like, you know, getting the jet lag and like mm-hmm. you're basically trying to stay in the same zone all, all three weeks. Yeah. You know, which is obviously very difficult, but I think it's different than going to Brazil winning an event flying to Europe, winning an event, and then going back to the U.S. and doing right. that, you know? Yeah. It, that's a different challenge where you don't, because you have to, like, do a full reset each time. Yeah. Whereas there's, like, walk back to your room, rest again, right. eat the same meals, yeah. go right back out and do what you've been doing. Yeah. Um, so, I don't know. I don't want to downplay it at all because it was freaking amazing performance, almost unheard of, even for, like, Ander- like only Anders and... Um, Christian, Christian uh, <laughs> um, have really done anything like that yeah. in recent years. Yeah, so they were awesome. I know that when I was with them in Doha, one of the things, I mean, just kind of back to the question, like what have they been doing, is that they don't work with other teams at all. It's just like them and like four coaches. Oh, wow. And kind of like what you and Trev do with Jose and Leandro and whoever else Jose brings right, into yeah, the yeah. beach. Dan. Um, Dan, (laughs) and, um, cause that was one of the things that, uh, like their second team, the, the Gambian team trains out in Qatar Hmm. a lot. And, um, they're like, yeah, we don't really get to work with Sharif and Ahmed. 
Um, they just work with their coaches the whole time. So maybe that's it. Maybe they just like get reps and reps and reps and reps, right. and then it just like they're just automatic once it's match time. Yeah, I think they're just getting to that point in their careers too. Like they're now veterans. They've been on tour, super comfortable. Like yeah. any team that comes through, seen them, played against them, we know we can handle them. And there's younger teams yeah. where you're confident against, and it's just like that progression has gotten there to where they're where they. I guess believed they they could be. Yeah, and they showed it. Uh, second question. Um, this is an interesting one. So I mean, that kind of bubble is pretty unprecedented. Um, so Joe Meserve is wondering, what did the organizers do well in Cancun? Um, well, I mean, they put on a nice event first of all. Like they put us in an area where we weren't going to go crazy. Yeah. Because it's really easy. It would have been really easy to go crazy. Right. You know, there was enough food variety. It wasn't, like, the greatest food in the world, but it was fine. Like, there was a variety. At least you could switch it up if yeah. you wanted to. Um, and they gave us space. We had a lot of space. Even though there was a lot of people there, it wasn't crowded yeah. at any point. Um, and then on top of that, they were strict um, in terms of just keeping COVID out. And, yeah. And everyone was pretty on board. They were... You know, they were strict. Like, if you went and hugged a fan, quarantine in your room. Like, <laughs> you can't come out of your room for, whatever, three days or something. Jeez. Which is fine, you know. I mean, they had to be strict about it. Yeah. Um, and it was up to us to follow the rules. But at the same time, they gave us space. They allowed us to go to the ocean as long as we didn't get close to anyone. Kind of run down and come yeah. back. Um, the pool was great. I think just the venue was great yeah. in general. And... Um, I mean, safety was, like, the biggest thing. It wasn't that, like, you know, I don't think many people are really scared about the virus for themselves, but um, scared of it ruining the event for everybody else. Right. Or your chances of competing. Yeah. Um, so they did a good job with that. And the setup was good. They had to kind of smash it in there in between the hotel and the building. Um, but it was good for, for what we needed. You know, you weren't setting up stands anyway. So, right. Uh, if we wanted grandstands, it would have been not enough space right but uh, i just think they did a good job all around like making it manageable and um keeping covid out that was the biggest yeah did uh, anyone thing. test positive some of the ball boys did and so all of a sudden <laughs> like i'll go back start the match and nobody grabs the ball I'm like yeah where are these guys <laughs> i'm like walking over to get the ball and the ref's like blowing at me because i slow i walk yeah. too slow <laughs> but, which is fine, you know. Um, but I just didn't know that. The, yeah. So all the ball boys had to quarantine for like a while. Yeah. And then. Um, <laughs> but none of the athletes. None of the athletes. That's awesome. Yeah. That's great. Um, speaking of going slow, though, uh, you and Trevor, the <laughs> stalling kings against Jake and Taylor. It wasn't even stalling in my mind. It was literally. Survival. Just moving. <laughs> just moving at. Yeah. Like, I'm. I'm not stopping at all. I'm just going through my routine to get back to the spot. <laughs> yeah. Dude, that match, I think, is maybe like a top five match mm -hmm. I've ever watched. Mm -hmm. That was awesome. Yeah. This podcast is also brought to you by our good friends over at Wilson Volleyball. You guys know the drill. The AVP plays with Wilson Volleyballs. You know why? Because it is the absolute best volleyball in the game. The college game plays with Wilson. Even the German tour is playing with Wilson Volleyball. Wilson is taking over the world, beginning on the Castaway Island with Tom Hanks, and they're not stopping until they get the whole beach volleyball world. So do your part and use our discount code SANDCAST-20 
to play with the best beach volleyballs in the world. All right, that is Sandcast-20. It's almost summer again. Time to get your refill of volleyballs. So use our discount code Sandcast-20 to get 20% off of all Wilson volleyballs. And now back to the show. And we were talking a little bit about it earlier that like, I think that you guys, Trevor and Taylor bring out the best in each other. They play great. For sure. Because we were talking about like Taylor, like the first two weeks, he had just been kind of like shooting around and hanging and coking and then all of a sudden against you guys, Taylor's just bombing. I was like, okay. I know. He's awake. We literally (laughs) were watching film. We're like, Taylor's shoulder might be hurt or something. Yeah. Like, he's not hitting a ball. <laughs> yeah. and, I, and I was like, I, I don't want to say that, you know, like, and go into it thinking that. But I was like, let's just watch him in warm-ups, Trev. Like, something might be up. Mm-hmm. And then he hit a few. I was like, all right, never mind. We're, we're over it. <laughs> but then in the game, he started bombing. I was like, oh, okay. Um, but, like, to your point, they totally light up against each other and yeah. know their tendencies really well. Um so I see Trev making reads and like popping out of nowhere where I'm like, oh, I don't got it. And then he's like, I'm here. I'm like, oh, <laughs> yeah. all right. You knew that was going there. Okay. Uh, and then Taylor's freaking ridiculous. Um, Trevor's making nice plays, you know, off speed and, and ripping away. And he's just like sliding in, taking it off his shoulder perfectly. Like yeah. making all those plays, but like just putting himself in the right spot. You can tell he has a good a read on Trevor when he's, you know, even when he's playing well, um, so for sure, yeah, they yeah. were they were playing each other well. But there's like, it was a super good energy because they're both their confidences stayed really high, mm-hmm. um, and I was just kind of managing our team's energy. I was just really staying in my zone because I knew Trevor had him covered. I just needed to remind him um, not to scream. <laughs> Because he gets so fired up, he's like yelling and and all that, and I was like, Trev, we we can't have we can't lose that breath. Like yeah. we need that we breath. Need, we need that oxygen. So no more yelling. <laughs> I told him that, and then and then he'd do it again and be like, shh. <laughs> I did that a few times. He scored a point, like a big point where we should celebrate, and I yeah. go shh. Hold shh it. And I just like stopped him. And I was like, this is kind of awesome. funny, but this is what we need right now. Yeah. And he'd like listen to. It. He's like, oh yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, you saw us, like, turn off in between yeah. points. Fully, like, 100% and then, like, turn off. Yeah. And you had to. Like, yeah. that was a long day for you guys. Like, you wake up, do or die match against a really good team. I, and I've, I've probably never been more, I guess, like, stressed after one match. Like, losing to yeah. Canada, for me, was, like, that whole rest of the day, I was just, like, I couldn't shake it. Yeah. I was like, are you, you got to be kidding me, like. That just wasn't... We didn't play well, first of all. Right. Um, we put ourselves in a really effed up situation. We have to win three the next day. And we yeah. draw the... What what seed was Brill? Top three. Yeah. Maybe top four. It's high. Um, at 25th. Yeah. Like So we had to start the day at 25th. And then go to 17th and play Playing, the Spaniards. Yeah. Two good teams in a row. Exactly. <laughs> and then we had to you know play Jake and Taylor... Who, who are sitting around all day and Just watching hanging. us. Yeah. Um, and that so match was started at, what, 10 p.m. for you guys? 10 p.m., yeah. So your day started at, like, 11. 11. Ended at 11.15. Yeah. Yeah. So we were, we were gassed. And, but, like, the night before, I was just, like, really pissed that we put ourselves in that situation, that we right. had to go from 25th to 5th yeah. the following day, all in one day. Yeah. 
I knew we could do it, but I was like really bummed that like we put ourselves in that position. Um, and then, you know, I got over it. I had just like doing some writing, journaling, and just like trying to figure out the mindset I wanted to go into it with. Yeah. I found it and just like next day I woke up and just like, let's go. Yeah. And, and we just grinded through it. And then we got to the final match and it was the same thing. It was just like head down. Yeah. You're in it. You're in the zone until I had to tell Trev at one point, I think we were, did we lose the first or win the first? We, you, we lost, you lost first. You had a oh, we huge lost lead. 26-24, right? You were up like 17-13. Oh, really? And then, yeah. And then oh, I think geez. you lost like 26-24 or 28-26. Okay. Something gnarly. So that shows you how I don't look at the score. But um, we were gas, like in the first set. And I was like, <laughs> yeah. it was the kind where you, you're like, all right, like they're, they have every advantage. Like we're freaking absolutely gas. Like, yeah. You can barely move. And I was, and I told Trev, I was like, dude, we've, we've trained for this. I promise. I don't know if you listen to me or not, but this is like the, what I wanted the team to know was like, I promise you, your body's going to react. We just have to let it. The second wind's going to come. They're making all the right plays right now. They're, everything's perfect. Taylor's yeah. literally dug one off his shoulder perfectly. Taylor Could played awesome. not be awesome. any better. Uh, I was like, dude, just weather the storm right now. I promise our second wind's going to come. Yeah. And we both kind of went into that hybrid mode of just play and then turn off. Yeah. And and then it happened. We, you know, pulled the second set out, 21-19. Yeah. And then it was just like, let's stay here. Stay in this energy-efficient zone. And, I mean, I didn't even look at the score. And, yeah. And uh, it was just one of those matches where even match point, Taylor Scoop, Trevor. And Jake runs under the net. I was like, yeah. no way. I was like, <laughs> I was in my head, I'm like, are you freaking kidding me? And yeah. then and then I saw the set go, you know, Jake had to bump it all the way back over. Right. So he couldn't really set Taylor. Yeah. I was like, okay, we're going to get a free ball back. Yeah. Like, that's fine. I'm fine with that. Yeah. If Taylor were to scoop that and then Jake set him perfectly, I'd be like, what, a, what like, are we going to do? <laughs> Why are you on our side? Yeah. <laughs> and then they send the free ball and I had been setting all match. Yeah. And I just, right off the bat, Trevor, take it. Yeah. And in his mind, after he told me, he's like, are you kidding me? You made me take that? I've been taking... I was shocked that, was that Trevor took it too, yeah. Normally, I'm really aggressive on that, but I was just like, he made a good swing right before. Yeah. He was bombing. He was getting served all match, so he's in a rhythm, and he was siding out. Yeah. So I was like, you, like early, you know, I made the call just so yeah. he could commit to it, and I was setting all match, so I, I was in a rhythm right. setting. I was just like, one more, dude. Yeah. You have to you do it. it. <laughs> you have to do it right now. Yeah. And he freaking squeezed it line perfectly. Um, and then we kind of carried each other off the court. <laughs> yeah. I was going to say, when you guys went to three, because I was like talking with Gab pretty much the whole time. Uh -huh. And I was like, Gab, there's no way <laughs> they can win this third set. I was like, they're going to have to get dragged off the court. I call it marathon mode. <laughs> it's where, where your mind is convinced that your body can't do it anymore. Yeah. And then you just tell, you just say, you just give in, you surrender. Yeah. And then your body is like, no, I got more. Yeah. After 25 like, miles, you're like, what's okay, one more to care. 26? Exactly. Right. <laughs> yeah. It's like that when you're in marathon, like, which is, I, I got been raised by endurance athletes. It was like, just get, let's just get the mind out of the way and see what yeah. the body's capable of here. Yeah. And that's kind of like the mode we went into. Yeah. Problem is we won the match. Um, it was cool, like shaking hands with Jake and them. They were respectful and like stoked on it after not, not stoked, but like, you know, 
I think anytime you play a match as good as that one, yeah. afterwards there's just this mutual thing where you're like, that was, that was just, good volleyball. Yeah, exactly. exactly. Um, but then it's 11.30 at night. We played all day. Yeah. And then we have the Russians in the morning. And my stomach's just in knots. Yeah. From like three in a row, too many protein shakes. And you got nothing in it. Nothing in it. Stress. Like, oh, stomach was worked. I, I ended up falling asleep at 1.30. Trevor couldn't fall asleep till 3. I bet. I woke up twice, like having to go to the bathroom. Yeah. Number two. <laughs> twice, <laughs> which is like, I don't wake up for that usually. Yeah. Um, and he was up the whole time. Yeah. Um, so we were kind of up all night, like not recovering the way we need to. But yeah. the adrenaline was so high, you can't just go to sleep You after. can't fall asleep. Yeah. No way. And then... Um, Next morning, you know, same routine. We went out and played, but uh, there's like an hour-long break. I even showed up late to warm-ups because I knew the court was running late, and yeah. then I went three again. We're waiting for like an hour. Now I'm like, damn it, I've warmed up too much now. Right. Not too much. You know, I was sitting and waiting, but then I was sitting. Just a little off, yeah. Yeah, and then um, match started, and it was just like a few moves I did where I was like, wow, I knew exactly what he was going to do there. I was planning on blocking it, and my body didn't go. <laughs> yeah. I was like, okay, that could be a problem, but yeah. let's not go there mentally. And then just couldn't pull it out. Yeah. Know, against a seven-footer who blocks you standing a few times. That, like, dude, right. you hit an option that he wasn't there for, so he literally just stood and put his hands up and like soft-blocked it straight up. And I was like, what do you do? Exactly. And that's insane. Exactly. <laughs> Yeah, and like that's a lot of effort for me, you know. And he's just yeah. walking up and standing there. Yeah. And I, we were already gassed. So yeah. I was like, this, this is going to be a tough one to pull out. Yeah. And I mean, that is a good team. Like they made the finals of European champs in 2019. When so they're it's good, not like they're, they're good, a joke. For yeah. Sure. Yeah. They're, they're great when they're good. And because I mean, Lushukov, he's got like, he's kind of like Taylor ish in, in his arm. Yeah. Maybe not in the way he digs balls. I don't think no many people dig balls like Taylor, but. Um, it's not like you lost to a terrible team. No, no, no. For <laughs> like, sure, we didn't. But, you know, it just doesn't feel good when you don't feel like you brought yeah. your your best game. Yeah. Um, so that was, because Carlos Mesquita, he wants to know, what do you all consider the best matches to watch from Cancun? Yours with Jake and Taylor, yeah. I think, is is my number one. Uh, number two, I, I put Cantor Losiak versus Anders and Christian. Mm. Um, that was wild. I didn't watch it. It was like one of those matches... Was it, like, intolerably hot out there? Um, I've played in hotter, but, yeah, it was really gnarly. Because? I'd say it was, like, a, you know, if 10's the worst I've ever had, like, Yokohama, 100 and over 105 or something like that. Yeah. And humid and no wind. This was, like, a 8, maybe. Eight, okay. 8 and a half. Because there was wind. There was an ocean breeze. Right. It was a really strong one, but it was hot and muggy it was probably like 80 you know 85 90 and like really humid yeah with the wind so you're like scrambling more yeah because it uh in that match with uh polish versus norway um Cantor puked oh did he yeah like middle of the court oh, it just like stopped the play and just like threw it? up and then anders was just, yeah and then i was like that's how that's how you get covid right. yeah exactly <laughs> but then anders was also like heaving after every point yeah um, and so it, like, obviously it looked hot, but I was like, I don't know. I mean, it's really windy. I, so I didn't know right. if it was that bad. And I saw that the FIVB was even allowing like little water breaks at every switch, yeah, yeah, yeah. which they never do stuff like if that. It's really so hot, they do that. Yeah. 
So I was like, it, it must be pretty hot. But that's up there. Um, Alisson Alvaro versus Brower Musin mm. was a crazy one. Alisson was gassed oh, yeah. uh, for most of the matches. Yeah. The fact that they took Anders and Christian three in the maybe the first semi or the second tournament, I forget which was what, but they lost like 21 to seven in the first set. Huh. And so we just like, I was at Adams and so we were just like, all right, well, let's just go out and, and like surf or something and have fun and we'll come back because this match is over. Right. And we came back and they was in the third set. I was Not like, with what? <laughs> what well did Alison find that energy well, from? Well, that's like Phil and Nick. Like they'll, yeah. they'll lose 21-9. Yeah. But it's because they turn off. Yeah. They're like, oh, energy huh. saved for the next set. Yeah. Uh, so you can't really buy into it when it's those guys. Yeah. Know? Oh, Phil and Nick, another match. Their match against the Czechs. Did you watch that no, one? I didn't. <laughs> so they were up, win the first set, up 2015 in the second. Uh-huh. And um, so Adam is, he's like best friends with Phil and Nick. He's like, hey, let's like take a picture in front of the TV. Like, should send it to Phil and Nick. It'll be awesome. Well, they uh, check sides out for 2016, um, miss it for 2017, miss it for 2018. Uh, Nick, like, they, there was a crazy play. Check gets the point for 2019, and Nick gets a red card. Oh, that's right. To go 2020. Yeah. So they end up losing that set and winning in three. But it, I thought Phil was going to kill Nick. As soon as he got that red card, Phil was like, come on, it's man. One, you, if you're going to get a red card, you better time it. You at know? 05, like, earning five straight on Phil Nick is not an easy task. Because right. at some point after, like, two or three, Phil's like, all right, I'm optioning. I don't care where the pass is. Right. Yeah, <laughs> it's going sure. down. Um, yeah, that's, there's not really an excuse for that one. But I do think Phil, at this point in his career, or always, you know, um, he could use that fire and, like, he needs Nick specifically, who's, like, yeah. his boy, best yeah. friend in the world, to, like, light a fire and, and scream at him and just, like, do a something stupid to wake yeah. him up. And I feel like Nick does that. When Phil's not playing good, he doesn't necessarily go at him but he'll start freaking out yeah like, i don't care if i get a card i don't care if anything yeah i'm creating energy yeah and i'm hoping that it lights my partner up or like makes the other team freak out or time delays or whatever you know yeah um and it works it does like, you nick, remember when we had um j-rod on the podcast yeah and he was telling us that nick came up to him and was like hey man i need you to give me a red card yeah, exactly. so i'm gonna freak out Exactly. Pretend to freak out, and I need you to give me this card. So there, there you go, fans. Like there's a legit strategy behind it to like the veteran veterans. Yeah. And um, like you know, we were doing our slow walking, and the ref gave us a yellow card. I didn't, I didn't look at the ref, but um, I heard Trevor say like, "Are you kidding me?" And I was like, "I don't even. I can care less." Yeah. Like I'll a yellow card's harmless. Doesn't I'll do anything. Absolutely take a yellow card. That's like. A timeout for us. Yeah. It's time for you to pull your card right. out of your pocket. And like write something down. I didn't down. look at him, acknowledge yeah. him, anything. <laughs> just like, yeah, all right, whatever. Yeah. Um, but my point is like the best of the best know how to use even a red card. Yeah. Which you lose a point for and you get fined. Um, but if you do it at the right time, like Loyola, Jose Loyola tells us all the time about when he was losing in the stadium and everyone hated him because he was so fiery and pissed off and mm-hmm. whatever. They're playing the home team, wherever it was. They lose the first set. They're losing in the second set. The whole crowd's against them. He's, like, flipping them off and just, like, <laughs> pissed, you know? 
And um, they're about to lose the match. And he freaking tears the whole net down. <laughs> 20 minute, 30 minute delay. Yeah. Card, cards and all this stuff. But they had to play the match out. Right. They come back and win the set. That's awesome. And he's still coming at the crowd. Yeah. They come back and win the match. That's awesome. Like if I didn't do that, we wouldn't have won the match. Yeah. Which like some people might say is, you know, bad sportsmanship or something, but I say it's gamesmanship. Your job's to win. <laughs> you know? <laughs> it's a win. It's the ref's jobs to to penalize, you know, and give yeah. points. And it's the tournament's job to find you if that's what you do. But you can do whatever you want. Yeah. As long as it's within the rules and Yeah. And if it's against the rules, like you just accept whatever the, the consequences penalty, right, are exactly. and, and you move on. But it happens. Yeah. So, but those matches, and then on the women's side, I don't know if you watched the last final between the Australians and Agatha Duda. I didn't. The Australians were down 18 to 12, and Taliqua Clancy had like five blocks down the stretch to bring it back, win the second, Dang. win third, to, to win. And like Agatha Duda, I mean, they don't give away six point leads with three to go. So that was that was a really cool match to watch, and then uh, Clay Sponsel against uh, the Germans, um, Carla Borger and Julia Sud. Um, they came back. They were down, I think maybe twelve ten in the third, and this was a big one for them because it was ninth to move into fifth. Mm-hmm. Um, and they ended up Kelly had a huge block to make it thirteen twelve, and then Sarah is like this really long rally match point, and Sarah had a one over kill match no at way. 17 15 and three oh. i was like the stones on that girl it was awesome dude so those i think those are probably the five best matches i watched from cancun there you have it yeah um so that's probably we'll move on from cancun um so we can go kind of more to uh just general questions um about the sport this is from Christopher Tiller. Uh, what's something you'd like to see the next generation of beach professionals accomplish? And I think that's kind of a pretty relevant question, especially now because one generation is moving out pretty much as soon as Tokyo is over. I can't imagine Phil and Jake really touching the ball for quite some time. Like Rosie, like kind of that generation is starting to move out and it's kind of you and the crabs mm-hmm. are sort of the, kind of the face of the men's side mm-hmm. of this next wave. Yeah. I mean, I'm sure the guys that you didn't mention there would, you know, like to put their names in the conversation. And, and there's some s- serious talent there, that, as we all know, with Cam and Theo and Chase yeah. and um, a few more guys. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I'm kind of trying not to think about it much because I have, you know, you don't think about your next race when you're about to fit, you're at the finish line of your current yeah. race, you know what I mean? Um, it's just wasted energy and um, thought process at this point. But, um, you know, we're all in it for the long haul. Let's just say Paris, <laughs> you know, yeah. is, is going to be the main goal after this. Um, and I think it's going to be fun. Like, this generation is a, is different. We're, we're not like... the past generation and there's nothing wrong with the past generation but they're different from us yeah um we're more fan oriented you know putting ourselves out there a little more energy and hype you know yeah. and like uh, showmanship i guess yeah. um you know the the other generation is very authentic but we're 
able to kind of bring that authenticity out to our yeah. fans, I feel like, at a, a little better, um, which is just a generational thing. Um, and we're working really hard to, like, do our part in, in growing the sport outside of what we do on the court. Yeah. Um, so I think it's just going to be fun to watch. And we're all going to, especially the Hawaiians, like, we're not scared to go at each other and, like, no. bring out our personalities and, like, just, like, be raw yeah. Athlete, professional athletes and I think that's going to be fun to be like kind of the faces of the sport and I hope that the AVP sees it the same way and that they start gaining traction post-COVID and we can really like build up these characters and be these kind of superstars not that like I want to be a celebrity or like have all this attention yeah. I really don't but I want the entertainment value I want our yeah. fans to just be like yes this yeah. is awesome Yeah. like and if they would walk that's why that match we played in Cancun, I was kind of bummed that it was on the outer court. Mm-hmm. You know, the diehard fans were watching for sure, but yeah. um, the everyday, the average fans probably weren't watching. And if we could have done that in the U.S. in front of a packed stadium with what was on the line, that could have been, you know, the greatest match that a lot oh, of yeah. people ever watched. Because then, and I feel like that would almost would have helped your guys' case because having that energy from the crowd helps bring you up mm-hmm. and just like give you, like just shock you back to Dude, life a little. that's what we want. We want to be in front of the fans. We want the fans putting pressure. If you hate us, yell at us. Yeah. If you love us, yell for us. Yeah. But don't take both sides. Yeah. You're either with us or against yeah. us. And we're going to tell you that. And it's just for the love of competing and you know sports and um i think we have a good gauge on that and um, as long as the tournaments are on the table our our, our generation is going to do a good job in entertaining everybody. oh yeah for sure yeah and it's funny because i was talking to uh at fuds that force tournament in florida um i was talking to rosie kind of like about this same question and he was like getting like nostalgic um because right. like the last night there's usually, there's like a pretty big players party and I was just talking to him. He's like, man, you know, when I got on tour, like the AVP was so big. And he's like, I thought that I would leave the sport with something to like hand you guys. Right. And he's like, the AVP, you know, is putting on like six to eight events. He's like, everyone's got to go to the world tour. And he's like, you know, it's a bummer mm-hmm. that this is kind of like what it's coming down to. And so I think that this next generation, like it's almost your styles like kind of that in-your-face, entertaining. Yeah. It is more like the Sinjin, Karch, yeah. Hovland, Dodd, Randy, just like, we don't care, like Randy Stokos, like running into the crowd and like, like you say that shit again, like, and, you right. know, and like having that interaction and... Um, Different, but like similar in, the, in, in our own authentic way, exactly. for sure. Um, yeah, and I think that makes us think too, like when I look at this past generation, again, you know, there's no... The, these guys are amazing and they've done so much for the sport, but I think that a lot, they played during a good time and it, things were just taken care of. AVP was thriving. Yeah. World Tour was good. They just needed to play Yeah, and, and things would fall into place. Whereas I was sitting here early in my career, like I thought if I play, like all this other stuff would happen. Yeah. You know, I thought, you know, and then World Tour, AVP, everything kind of fell apart. Obviously COVID um, is what caused that for the AVP world tour the star system blah blah blah. but my point is i just kind of accepted we got to stop sitting around and waiting for the tour or the sport or exactly to, to like create something for us to thrive and like this you know create this entertainment value no mm-hmm. like 
do it for yourself. If the tour comes around, if other people come around and it all comes together, then great. But like, you can't sit here and hope other people are going to make you successful. Like we need to go out there, put our own stuff out there, make a YouTube, make the Sandcast podcast. Yeah. Make um, my own YouTube, make, you know, do well with your Instagram, whatever it is, you know, interact with fans, broadcasting, right? Just, Put your Make fate, it happen. Put your fate in your own hands. Um, yeah. But that's also cool to hear Rosie say that because it makes me think like, okay, how can I get to the end of my career and, and hand off something better and think yeah. about it now and not at the end when I'm yeah. like, it's too late. But um, I've also been thinking lately like, you know, wins are great, but I think at the end of my career, I'm going to be looking back and, and I'm going to have a better feeling about the impact I had on the sport yeah, rather than the number of wins. Right. You know, and I, when I look at like Karch versus Kent Steffes or whatever, you know, who had a better winning percentage? Who was a better player? I mean, Karch was obviously the GOAT, but like Kent Steffes, you could argue, was better. Yeah. The I mean, time that he Kent's played. my pick every right. time. Okay. It's Kent. <laughs> but I barely knew who Kent Steffes was. Yeah. Karch Karai had the impact on the sport and yeah. he's still having that impact. On indoor, he had it before he came to the beach. Yeah. Um, so obviously, I'm not trying to be Karch cry, but um, I think impact is really important. And you look at like a Rosie, he had an impact in who he was. He wasn't the best player, like ever, really. Right. And you could argue he was the best defender at times, especially when they won the World Tours MVP. Yeah. But um, he had a huge impact when we were kids. It was like Sean Rosenthal, he's dope, yeah. you know, which is kind of how Taylor is now. Yeah. I feel like similar. Um, and then when I came on tour, Sean was the nicest guy. Him with a few other guys. Yeah. But there's some guys who just didn't bother with me at all. Right. And then guys like Rosie, uh, Nick Lucena was cool. Phil actually was cool too once he opens up. Mm-hmm. Um, where they were just like, hey, welcome to the tour. What do you need to know? Yeah. I'm teach you what you need to know. Even if we play each other the next day, like we're good. Yeah, and that was pretty cool for me. So I kind of want to return the favor. Yeah, and I th- I think this generation has an opportunity because like any time that you see something go down, you have the opportunity to bring it back up. And I yeah. think that this generation has an opportunity to kind of lift the AVP back up to right. where it used to be. Yeah, and you know whether that's an NBA or whatever. Like I don't think that people that we need to be an NBA. Yeah. Um, but I think we could be this huge lifestyle sport again, especially with this huge influx of talent that's coming in from the college ranks. And even, you know, the guys, the younger guys are starting to get good enough where it's like, you know, if, if you stick with it, you'd probably be pretty dang good. Yeah, let's be a part of the growth of the tour. Like, let's say that we had it at the bottom and brought it up to something great, yeah. maybe greater than it's ever been. Yeah. I mean, I honestly believe like, a few things have to line up and this thing could just blow up. Like it's that close, mm-hmm. even though we're kind of in the dumps right now. Um, so I, I, yeah, I mean, I want to be a part of that and um, I'd be excited if I was a fan. Like yeah. this is fresh blood. Mm-hmm. People know that Phil's the freaking goat and like Jake's one of the greatest blockers of all time in yeah. the history of the US. And But let's be honest. As a fan, you want to watch us play. <laughs> yeah. I'm just saying that because I talk to people, you know, like yeah. Phil's hands on the hips, head down. People are over it. Yeah. And I'm not disrespecting him at all. He's, um, he is who he is. 
but people want to see us play. Yeah. And uh, we're going to be ready to play, and we're freaking getting better at volleyball and more confident, and I, I'm excited as a fan. Yeah, I think we're in a situation kind of like a buy low, sell high. Mm-hmm. Like the AVP, we're at, we're at a low. Yep. And by the time that, you know, like guys our age are 38, 39, 40, like it could be pretty high again mm-hmm. just because we brought a little entertainment to it. Exactly. Um, while we're on the topic of entertaining, we're at about 51 minutes, so a couple more questions. Uh, Greg Chisholm Ask, can you speak on your experience playing on a sponsored team at FUDS? What's the jump been like in followers and interest? Um, so FUDS, for the listeners who do not know, is a biannual tournament in Fort Walton Beach, Florida. It's basically like the six-man mm-hmm. of the east, and, like the southeast, where it's, it's fours. And by far, the biggest crowd that I've seen at a beach volleyball match in person really? was our semifinal. That's AVP, oh, FIVB, so whatever. We're overseas playing like all these teams. <laughs> all the fans are watching you guys. Damn it. It You're the genius. was here. insane. And that's what, because it was pretty big in the fall. And when I played against Trevor and Taylor mm-hmm. and Adam in the finals, and Trevor was like, best event I've ever played in my life. And it was easily twice the size in the spring. No way. It was insane. And so I think, and that's one thing that Rosie said, because I was like, Rosie, like, why are you still playing volleyball? Like, what's, what's in it for you? Like, why are, why are you here at this forest tournament that doesn't pay money? That's probably the best place in the world for him. And that's what he said. He's like, these are the tournaments that I live for. He's like, this is like the soul of the game right here. He's where, like... Where he can dive into the stands, hit oh, yeah. sky ball from, you know... Yeah. Way in the back. People like, just like handing beers like midpoint. He's an entertainer. Yeah. And uh, he was like, this is what it's all about. So like the setup, the stadium court setup is the coolest mm-hmm. that I've been to. That and Seaside in uh, Oregon is awesome. Yeah. Um, but so there's no stands. So it's just on a beach, but it's backed up against um, a boardwalk with like four bars on the Sick. bottom. And then there's a top level of four bars. So people are lined up on the sand this way and like pretty much down to the ocean but also stacked in the bars. Right. And it's looking it's out nuts. from the bars. Yeah. Dang. And so like the experience of playing in that was cool for me because that's literally the first beach volleyball I'd ever seen in person. When I went down to Florida, oh, really? it my editor was like, hey, there's like some beach thing, a beach volleyball thing, like that'll be your first assignment. Go right on this. No way. And so that was the first beach volleyball I ever saw was FUDS in wow. April of twenty fourteen. I was like, oh well this pretty cool <laughs> and then um so then to come back and like once i started playing i like put it like bucket list like i would love to just play in front of that crowd mm-hmm. and then to win it especially with like a couple of my best friends and uh cody caldwell yep. i don't know if you know cody yep. but he's uh he was awesome i can see that he's a banger yeah and um, indoor really good indoor player yeah right? won yeah. a couple national championships at uh loyola chicago loyola. um but like events like that are super entertaining and I think that the AVP could probably take a look at events like that and maybe take a page out of their books and maybe, like, we don't need to be a suit-and-tie professional sport. We could be this enormous, like, let's have an enormous party on the beach, maybe, like, clean it up a little so fans aren't just, like, chucking Miller Lite right. on the court. But, right, yeah, <laughs> exactly. Know? But it was super entertaining. Yeah, there should be, like, uh, they should call it, you know, they should have the major series or the gold series and then like the underground series or yeah. something <laughs> during the winter or something. Yeah. You know? Because we have like, so there's these like iconic events mm-hmm. and like six man, 
Fuds, I think, would be one of them. Seaside. Seaside. Uh, Wapaka mm-hmm. is a cool one. Um, Pottstown, big grass ADP tournament. ABP just took over one of those, right? Yeah. The grass. ABP took over all of them. Oh, all of them. Okay. Yeah. Okay, so, good. yeah, so they're all like big ABP next. Like, so Pottstown is a grass tournament that I'm playing with Kyle Friend. 70 grand purse for yeah, grass. See, this was concerning me like, a little bit. <laughs> and so I don't know where that money comes from. No, it's great. And like, it's, I wish that we'd have a beach schedule before just, we had a grass schedule. Yeah, it's hard to be the, the, the pros. Yeah. The top pros where it's like, uh, you know, we can't play in that. Yeah. And we're trying to make a living here. Yeah. Uh, so like, where are the priorities? I know. And that's what I was I like. I get it too. It's, it's cool for the sport. It's cool. Great for the players that can play in that. Um, but like, you know, what we were talking about earlier, we're trying to build this thing. Right. We want to make it as good as it's ever been. And then yeah. it's like, oh, we're going to put our focus on some grass tournaments. We're like, yeah. oh, like, and should we even be f- like investing time into the AVP then, you know? Right. And that's what like I commented on their Instagram when they announced the grass tour and everyone's like, this so is awesome. I. This is awesome. And I was just like, ah, the old switcheroo. Thought we had a beach schedule coming out. We got grass. And I said uh, <laughs> something along the lines of, uh, this is awesome. Stoked to see big prize money. Can't wait to see what the pro tours prize money is. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and so it's a uh, it's a bummer that there is no beach schedule. Yeah. And that, but I think I was thinking about it from a, a pure like revenue standpoint. So one, I think one of the chief revenue sources is AVP American memberships. Right. The grass tour is yep. now AVP. So you want those renewal fees? So that's money yeah. coming in. There's no doubt that they have a plan in place, and it probably makes sense from a business standpoint. Yeah. But how many people are investing their lives into their business? You know? Right. Yeah. So, um, so pot, I mean, Pottstown is like one of those iconic ones. I, we'll put it in a different category because it's grass. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think Motherlode, I haven't been there, but apparently it's, it's pretty great in Aspen. Aspen, yeah, I've heard of that, that one. Yeah. So I think like those tournaments are the ones that like the fans love, the players love, mm-hmm. that I think that maybe if the AVP took a look at it and was like, you know, let's try a tournament without stands without all these like bells and whistles right. and let's just see what happens yeah and i think that the result would probably be pretty great because i can't imagine what a crowd in fort walton beach florida would do to see jake and taylor versus you and trevor in a semifinal <laughs> if they were packing it for a random fours match where cody had slept two hours right yeah so no th- those are awesome tournaments for sure like that's kind of like the the roots of our sport is like fans that like to watch that and play in that yeah. kind of event. And it's cool. Like even if you're not a, like you fell in love with the sport just by showing up to one of those randomly, right? Yeah. Yeah. It is cool. Yeah. And um, with Cody, he was also a question. This guy, uh, Tyler Theriault asked, Cody Caldwell is going to be the next big AVP prospect. Fact. And I, how many times have you heard this? Just like with... Everyone, oh, yeah. any anytime like a guy with decent size comes in, it's like this guy's the next one. And then uh-huh. two years later, it's like, well, this guy's the next one. And two years later, it's like, you know, Troy bounces the ball, and it's like he's the next big guy. Talk to the top 10, 15, 20 players on tour. Yeah. If they say that, then because they they will say that about players who they think have potential. But if you don't know beach volleyball, and you see indoor stuff, and you know, and I'm not denying like I really haven't seen Cody play enough yeah I know he can 
bomb. Cody's awesome. Right. And he exactly. can be awesome. Yeah. But there's so much more that goes into being a good beach. Exactly. Ca- having a good beach career. The mental part and understanding that, I mean, it's a lifestyle. Yeah. Can you live that lifestyle? Or exactly. Can you even afford to live that lifestyle? Yeah. Um, that's kind of part of it. And then, like, the mental game of, like, it's going to tear you down. You look at Kame, like, he came over from Canada and he's realizing now, like, damn, it's much harder oh, yeah. to play for the U.S. Yeah. Yeah. And so I think we, I think just like Americans as a whole or just sports fans, we love our shiny new objects. You know, it's like Andrew Wiggins plays in the NBA. It's like, oh, the next LeBron. You know, and now right. whoever the next guy is, like, oh, he's the next MJ. Mm-hmm. And so now we have, like, everyone saying, you know, James Shaw, he's the next big guy. And then Brian Cook before him was the next big guy. And Troy was the next big guy. Remember, this is, Robbie a, veter- Page. This is a veteran sport. The yeah. veterans thrive in this sport because of their experience and the small things that they understand that has really nothing to do with their intangibles, like their capabilities. So if, you, if you're going to judge that early on, like this guy's freaking so he's so good at indoor, he's going to be great on the beach. Yeah. Like, does he have the off speed? Does he have the vision? Does he have the timing? Does he understand the beach game? Does he have the work ethic to, yeah. to figure it out? Um, and then the, you know, the lifestyle stuff that we were talking about. Does he make his partner better? Yeah. Because we can serve the other guy right. all day. Yeah. And then your guy loses. Then you're going to say, oh, that's because they wouldn't serve him. Like, that's the game. Yeah. That's it's, half the game. You got to learn to assert yourself. If you're not getting served. Some people don't. Like, we'll serve the better player sometimes because we know the other guy will go to sleep. Yeah. He won't do anything else. Mm-hmm. If I'm not getting served, I better be fucking blocking, serving, getting, like, understanding where my guy's at, what he needs. I better be setting well. I better be covering or else we're going to lose. Yeah. Right? Like, I have to carry my weight even when it's not coming at me. So if your guy that you love is really good at attacking, what's he going to do if we don't serve him? Yeah. (laughs) That's my question, you know? And so, like, when people, and, like, I love Cody. He's Mm -hmm. freaking great. And he could be great. I'm not even talking about Cody. James Shaw could be great. And Troy could be great. And Chase Budinger could be great. But we're so ready to label all these guys next. But to be frank, we haven't had a next blocker in 20 years. Like, Phil and Nick have been our only... Yep. Or Phil and uh, Jake have been our only Olympic blockers for that long. Yeah, that's because true. it's really freaking hard to become yeah. that next big dog. Right. And so I just want, everyone's just got to pump the brakes. When you see someone new and really good, just chill out yeah. before you anoint someone new. And, and I make my uh, predictions <laughs> too sometimes. Um, but I, I can't say that there's one guy that stands out to me right now. And there's some serious talent. Yeah. Like there's some legit talent. I just... There's no one that's on the beach right now that I can that I'd put money down on. You know? Yeah. And and one of them is gonna break through. Yeah. For sure. One or multiple. I mean, for talking about like the Chase is already a top guy. It's just yeah. a matter. You know, the world tour part he hasn't really done. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you know, broken through yet, but yeah, pump the brakes. <laughs> <laughs> We're always ready. Um, we'll do maybe one more. Yeah, one more question. Um, let's go with uh, this is an interesting one uh, so we're not going to do any like strategy or training specific questions on this episode but we will get back to then the next one so this is from Amir Lugo Rodriguez the sports stigma you were told as a kid 
you now realize was false as a professional. I thought that was pretty interesting. What stigma? So if like, maybe not stigma, um, but maybe like your our image of a professional athlete as uh-huh. growing up, uh-huh. what's different actually from like uh-huh. what we thought it would be like towards what it's actually like. Interesting. <sighs> I think number one for me would be that um, almost no one is playing at 100%. All right. Ever. Like someone's always like dinged up or nicked up at some point and that you don't have, it's not like you go to practice and then you just like have nothing to do all day. Mm -hmm. Like somehow I'm doing stuff from like 6 a.m. to 9 p.m. every day. I'm like, I didn't, what happened? Yeah. (laughs) And like when you're a kid, it's an excuse, right? Because it's kind of like uh, when you're younger, it's like, like you said, you're, you're assuming that everyone's healthy and good. So if you come into it injured, it's like, Boom, you use that excuse right away. Yeah. Well, I'm injured. That's other people don't play injured. No, you just don't see it. Yeah. Like all these pro guys are injured or mm-hmm. dealing with something or, you know, mental stuff that happens before the game and like you get to a point in your career where you're like, you don't tell anyone, you don't like this is just what happens. Like it's just there's life. all kinds of setbacks, yeah. there's all kinds of crap that happens and you you can't use those excuses. Um, you're constantly playing at, you know, this you're just adapting you know yeah to whatever um that's actually a really interesting question i th- it's <clears throat> it's funny what comes to mind for me is like i've actually been really lucky to <clears throat> be raised by my parents yeah because they were amateur athletes um endurance athletes my mom long distance canoe paddling dad ultra triathletes yeah um, he's on the board of directors for um, USA Triathlon. Okay. Mom's marathon runner. So, and they did this for fun. Yeah. They loved it. And I had like, you know, a little weight room in my garage. They're both PE teachers. So I had every sports game in my garage. But I was watching them. You know, I'm waking up early, going to their running clinics at 5 a.m. Because yeah. I couldn't stay at home and just sleep in the van with my sisters. And I think I just bought into sports at an early age. Like, oh, this is what you do. You just like crush yourself and suck it up. And, you know, I was watching my parents do this uh-huh. stuff for no money. Yeah. Which like for me now, it's like, I ain't doing that. When I retire, <laughs> you ain't going to pay me. I'm out. I'm out yes, everybody knows I'm going to go surf and probably golf and whatever. But, um, yeah, no, like. But at an early age, like I remember Jerry Rice being my favorite player and Brett Favre. And it's funny because they were, like, two of the more gritty guys. Yeah. Brett Favre's super gritty. You know, yeah. We all know that. And then um, the gunslinger. Mm-hmm. And Jerry Rice grew up juggling bricks. I remember I read he was my favorite player because he was helping his family, um, whatever. His dad was building houses and whatnot. Yeah. And he, he, like, would catch bricks because they would throw it up to the top of the building and have to put it in, and, like, <gasps> juggling them and then he got this work ethic where he'd run up this hill and I read a book because he was my favorite player and um I remember just like kind of buying into that like whoa like Jerry Rice is the shit yeah like works harder than anyone and um but I think like so that's just what came to mind for me I'm like wow I actually like most people probably don't have that perspective from a young age where they think it's glorified you're like a freak athlete and you do all this entertaining to the fans and like you have to earn that over years and years, yeah. the ability to actually leave the game, 
talk to the fans, and mm-hmm. then come back in and perform. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I guess it's just the, the grind of it. It's, it's something that you, that sucks. Yeah. It's freaking difficult. It sucks. But if that's the job for you and that's the job you love doing, then that part just doesn't matter. Yeah. You're okay with it. But if it's not a good job for you, you don't actually love it deep down, those painful times, those times that suck, which is very often, yeah, um, you won't get through it. Yeah. You know? And I think one of the tougher ones that I'm beginning to just get like a small taste of that you've done for quite some time is being away from home mm-hmm. for long extended periods of time and, and how difficult that is. Right. And I didn't really even understand, like even from a beach standpoint, I'm like, you get to go to like all these cool countries yeah. and all this stuff. Like that's so cool. But then like me and Delaney, like our travel schedules, when you were in Cancun, actually, like we were apart for like three weeks and I was like, damn, like that sucked. Like three weeks isn't all that long in the grand scheme of things. And now I'm about to be gone for like a month. Yeah. And Delaney was like, I'm like stoked that you're getting these opportunities. But she's like, this is really hard. And so just getting like the first glimpse of like how tough it is to be away from home, like away from family and like your routine. Yeah. And like a lot of things that you love to go do something else that you love. Yeah. Put it this way. When you first get on tour, and I think you're just getting to that point where it's like, this is real. Like you've been on tour long enough. You've traveled the world long enough now to where you're like, yeah. Like, you don't see the schedule. When you're young, you see the schedule. Like, Whoa, cool. Right. Croatia. Cool <laughs> shot. Cool this. Yeah. Now we see the schedule. It's like, okay. Yeah. That's what, that's what <laughs> yeah. we got to do. Yeah. And you try to be grateful. And like some of the older guys, you can tell they really reflect and like try to slow down and appreciate yeah. traveling because it's easy to get lost in it. But yeah, no, we don't look at the schedule and say, yay, sweet, <laughs> we get to go to Rio. Right. Which I do get excited because I like that beach, but it's like if if I'm going to go anywhere, I'm excited to go there. But realistically, I just want to be home with my family. And right. if I go travel somewhere, I want to go with them right. on vacation. Yeah. Um, obviously, there's so much to be grateful for when you travel, but it's it's a job. Yeah. <laughs> it's It's a pretty cool one. And you're doing a pretty good job at it. Yeah. Um, three top tens in Cancun. A couple more big ones coming up in Sochi and Ostrava. Here to entertain. When are you out for Sochi? Do you have your... 23rd. Okay. And then, so there's, and then you'll go right from Sochi to Ostrava, and that's the last event of the Olympic qualification period. Um, yep. is, is Stad backed up right against Ostra, or do you come back? No, no, no. Yeah. We come back... Um, Stad's not until Is a little bit early later? July, I want to say. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. We'll so okay. So we'll be home for a little bit and then uh, be back on the world tour. All right. Good to have you home. Shoots. <laughs>